All right. Good morning, Grace City. Hope you guys are doing well. Oops. Hope you're having a good weekend, and uh, yeah, just special, uh, just welcome to those of you who are guests here, and yeah, super happy to have you with us here this morning. And uh, those of you who are joining joining us online as well, um, thank you for for tuning in. So, uh, good to be with you guys. All right. When uh, when I was a uh, when I was a little kid, like grade school age, I had a I, re- I had a real problem with sleepwalking, and I, I sleepwalked like a lot. I'm sure I freaked out my parents on like, on, like more than one occasion. <laughs> and on one occasion, when I was in third grade, I sleepwalked all the way through my house to our front door, and opened up the door, let myself out shut the door behind me, it locked automatically, and as soon as my bare feet touched the, the cold ground, concrete outside, I woke up. And, and in that moment, I just, I woke up and just trying to put two and two together, and I just straight up panicked. I was this little third grade kid. We also lived out in the country, so our house is right in the middle of the 16-acre property. There were cougar sightings all the time. There were bear sightings. We actually had some coyotes that ran through pretty regularly as well and like yipped and stuff. And anyways, I, I genuinely panicked and trying to put together a plan, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna try and find another way into the house. And so I circumvented the house, looked at all the windows and there's, there's no way to get in. So my plan B was that I was gonna spend the night with Sparky. Sparky was, my, uh, was our black lab and he was an outdoor dog. And he lived in a converted pump house that we turned into his dog house. And so I was like, all right, me and Sparky tonight. And uh, so I like got into his pump house and like curled up next to him. I was like freezing because I was in my my pajamas. And about a half hour into the night, it all of a sudden hit me. uh, We have a spare key to the house. Like one of those like hidden spare keys. And it hit me. And I was like, oh, that's right. And I was like, see ya, Sparky. <laughs> and like, I think it was really sad. And, uh, but I ran over, grabbed the key, and, and let myself in, woke up my mom, told her what happened, and went to bed, and that was that. I took what should have been a very kind of straightforward, simple situation. I locked myself out of the house, go and get the spare key, let yourself back in. And I made it very complicated. <laughs> and complex and intense. Jesus was a master at taking these kind of big, uh, important situations and scenarios and making them less complicated. He simplified them. And he made these things simple and accessible to the masses. He was a master at doing this. And we see this really clearly in the book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. We're going to be going through John 15, starting in verse 1. We're continuing in our Abide sermon series. We've been doing this now for uh, the last five weeks, where we're taking a look at what it looks, to, looks like to abide in God's Word. So, um, so yeah, let's start reading here in John 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus says, 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me and he abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy Maybe full. Jesus takes this really big, important concept, which is our relationship with Him and our relationship with God the Father, and He simplifies it. He says, It's like this I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Simple as that. And he, uh, there's actually like four main characters here in this passage. You have Jesus the vine, us the branches, God the Father who's the vine dresser, and then you have the fruit, some fruit that's produced on the branch. And Jesus presents us here with two choices. And this is actually just classic Jesus. Jesus doesn't go just guns a-blazing and try and strong arm us into doing things. He invites us into doing things. He gives us a choice. He says, you can abide in what he calls the true vine, which is him. Uh, And then he implicitly says, or there are other vines that you could also abide in. You could abide in the true vine, or you could abide in other vines. He gives us this choice. But he says, if you abide in the true vine, I have three off the charts phenomenal promises for you. First promise is that if you abide in the vine, you will bear much fruit. So that's good. Promise number two, if you abide in the true vine, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a loaded promise. I got a list. (laughs) Things I want. (laughs) And then promise number three, If you abide in me, you will have fullness of joy. So Jesus here in this passage says, hey guys, let's keep it simple. Let's not overcomplicate this thing. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you choose to abide in me, you got some fantastic promises coming your way. So let's unpack promise number one. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. I love this promise so much. There's something so deeply human about this promise. It gets me so excited. Uh, 
there's something inside of a human being, like literally no matter who you are or where you are from, there is something inside of us that wants to grow, that wants to change, that wants to improve, that wants to bear fruit. There's something that is inside of us that is driving to not just stay stagnant in the state of the way that we are, but to grow in various aspects of our life and to produce fruit in those areas. We see this really obviously in little kids. Little kids, uh, they grow. You don't have to do much, just shovel food at them and they grow. Like weeds. We have three kids ages six, three, and one, and it is just, I mean, they're growing like crazy. You just can't stop them. And, um, you know, but it doesn't stop when we turn into adults. When we turn to adults, it goes from physical growth to internal growth. It's harder to see because it's on the inside, but we should, we should all we all are growing in various aspects as well, even as adults. As we walk through the different challenges and difficulties in life and we go through different things, experience different things, we grow in these various like, facets of what it means to mature. We, we learn what it is to endure. We learn what it is to persevere and remain steadfast. We learn what it is to become resilient and anchored in the midst of various storms of life and not get tossed back and forth like a boat on the sea. We learn these different aspects of what it means to mature as, as an adult. And we want, to, we want to continue to grow in these areas the older we are as an adult. I love this promise so much. It's something so deeply human about it. But I get frustrated when I don't see any fruit. I get frustrated when even when I am abiding in the true vine, abiding in Jesus, I don't see any real like growth or progress in these various aspects of my life. I don't see any new fruit. And when I think fruit, my mind immediately goes to uh, the book of Galatians, uh, uh, one of the letters that Paul penned in the New Testament, the book of Galatians chapter five. In that book, it has a list of, of what it calls fruits of the spirit. Those include love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, like, and some others that I don't know. There's, it's, it's all these different things that, I mean, yes, I want more of that. I would, I would love to be more patient. I would love to be more kind. <laughs> I would love to have, you know, better self-control and be more gentle and like all these different things. Like, yes, please. I get so frustrated when that, those things aren't happening, even when I'm abiding in Jesus. Why? Why aren't they happening? Why aren't I seeing the fruit in my life? I think there's a few different reasons for that. First reason is that bearing fruit can take time. It takes time. Uh, Think of a cluster of grapes, right? Let's just stick with the metaphor here. Think of a cluster of grapes. It takes a long time to actually get to that point where you have like a ripe, like cluster of grapes that's ready to pick and harvest takes that entire year of work that that branch and that, those vines have put into, pouring into those little buds that become grapes. And uh, it's a long process. It's a long process. So sometimes, sometimes it just takes a while. Second reason why we oftentimes don't see the fruit is that we, I, <laughs> get so focused on the fruit and just wanting to change and just wanting to see progress in this particular area, I'm so fixated on the fruit that I forget, oh yeah, it's actually about the vine. 
My attention's actually supposed to be directed towards the vine this entire time. I should actually be abiding in the vine, not in the fruit. The fruit happens when I abide in the vine. The fruit happens when I am abiding in Jesus and getting my life and my nourishment and like everything that I need to grow and thrive from him. And when that happens, Jesus pours into me his love and out comes fruit in these various aspects in his perfect timing and by his process. Not on my own. I forget that all the time, all the time. Man, I get frustrated. And then the third reason why we, we kind of struggle to bear fruit or why we don't, we don't see it necessarily is uh, bearing fruit can be painful. Painful. Jesus uses the word here, uh, pruning. Bearing fruit can be a painful process. Some of you guys are right there. Like this is the season that you are in. You're in a painful, painful season. Uh, if you could characterize this in Christian terms, this is a season of pruning for you. Where it feels like you are just taking hits from all sides and it won't stop. It won't stop. And you're not sure if you can keep going. Just like, when will this end? Praise God that a vine dresser even exists. A vine dresser is God the Father. Praise God that he even exists. Because for a lot of you guys, the things that you are walking through are not your fault. They're bad, wrong, evil things that have been done to you or to other people. And you are not having to deal with the consequences of them. And the vine dresser, God the Father, he's not the source of those bad or wrong and evil things. He didn't do any of those things. But because he is, because he loves you so much, he would choose to enter into those, that pain, and turn that pain and those horrible things on their head and somehow use them for our good. Somehow the vine dresser somehow uses these painful things for our good. And he uses these situations to refine us, to work out of us the other vines of our hearts that we are presently enslaved to. And he works those things out and he pushes them out and he replaces them with the true vine. And so we, as we walk through these difficulties, the vine dresser shows himself for who he is, that you can trust him and that you can cling to him, the true vine. I see this really um, clearly whenever I hang out with my grandma Jan. Uh, my grandma Jan, she is uh, a very classic grandma, if there is a classic grandma. <clears throat> She's about that tall. She has a, a giant perm. She, uh, she lives down in Southern, or Southern Oregon, down in Roseburg. I mean, there's old pe people that live up here too, but anyways. Uh, <laughs> I love my grandma Jan so much. But uh, she, man, 
Grandma Jan, she's been through stuff. She's seen, seen a lot of really difficult, hard things. She grew up straight up Little House on the Prairie style. I'm not even kidding you. She grew up in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, back like in the 40s or something. And uh, she had six siblings and they lived on, the sm- on a small farm. And whatever they grew on the farm, that's what they ate. Or they canned it and saved it for like in a few months when the winter hit. And that is literally how they grew up. They, they had no money. They had nothing. And my great-grandpa, so my grandma's dad, he would once a week take the long trip into the town uh, and bring with him milk and curds to sell. And what he would buy in return is one bundle of bananas. One bundle of bananas. And he would bring that back to the farm and that was, and so my grandma had to share it with six other siblings, so she would get one banana. And she said, that was her treat for the week. And man, she loved that banana. <laughs> She's like, John, you have no idea how good that banana tastes. I was like, I believe you, Grandma. That just sounds crazy. <clears throat> so, but it was through those various trials that we went through, beginning there. And I mean, that was just, that's just the start of her life. The things that she has walked through in her life and that she has seen, Crazy. But what has happened over the years is that she has seen God's faithfulness over and over and over again. And he gets her through difficult, difficult situations over and over and over again and has shown himself faithful, not just over the years, but over the decades to the point now where my grandma Jan produces much fruit. Whenever she walks into a room, doesn't matter how complicated, how messy the situation, my grandma walks into the room, boom, God's peace and God's love and God's joy is there. Fruit flows out of her because she has been through the trenches with God and she has seen his faithfulness. Fruit, much fruit. And that's what happens. Man, there's something so deeply human about this promise that Jesus makes to us. It's amazing. All right, next promise up. If you abide in me, you will, (laughs) rather, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, big promise there, loaded promise there. Uh, Because there's a lot of things that I want. I'll start off by sharing what that promise is not saying. That promise is not saying that Jesus is a giant vending machine in the sky that we get to, by our prayers, bang on that vending machine enough, kind of like Kevin Malone style from The Office, until like a nice bag of chips falls out into our lap, right? This is... That is not, Jesus is not our giant vending machine in the sky that we get to manipulate via our prayers. What Jesus is saying is that if you abide in him, his mind, his heart, his desires, and the things that he wants becomes the very things that we want too. 
the things that we most desire and want becomes the very things that Jesus desires and Jesus wants. We begin to have the mind of Christ. We begin to, as uh, Romans 8 points points out, be conformed to the image of the Son. And we become, we begin to look like on the inside more and more like Jesus. And so, when we ask for something, Jesus wants that very thing too. And it's in line with God's will, and so he says, yes. He says, yes. Now, there's an interesting byproduct of this. And that byproduct is that when the Holy Spirit begins to change the desires of our hearts, when we become Christians and then we begin abiding in him, he begins to change the desires of our hearts, the things that we want. And our life trajectory begins to change as well. The things, the path that we are walking down before we knew Jesus and then even before we really started abiding him begins to change. He alters our path and we begin keeping in step with the Holy Spirit and journeying through life with him. So what looked like a nice straight and linear path for us, suddenly the Holy Spirit begins throwing wrenches into. Says actually, let's take a little detour over here. Let's take a little detour over here and check this out. And he begins inviting us into this kind of relationship. It looks much less like us driving I- I-5 south through the Willamette Valley, which is just pretty much a straight shot, and looks a lot more like hiking the PCT trail. You're generally going north or south, but you're winding kind of back and forth. That's a lot more of what our journey with the Holy Spirit begins to look like. Hmm. Our life begins to look like much more like how a vine grows. I don't know if you guys have ever seen how a vine grows, like sped up, not just like you just sitting there watching the vine. That'd take a long time, it'd be a huge waste of time. But like sped up, like 1,000x, 10,000x, whatever. I saw this video. How a vine grows, just picture like a little sprout of a vine coming up out of the grounds. I just kind of picture that the vine grows and it just goes straight up vertically, like where it's supposed to go, or like horizontally if it's in, if it's in like a vineyard. Uh, that's actually not how vines grow. Vines grow like this, like a wave, back and forth. Looks like a dance, that's what it does. When I watch this video of it, I've just sped up, it looks like a vine is dancing as it's growing. Still going in that upward trajectory and direction, kind of moving back and forth. It's like our relationship with the Holy Spirit. As we abide in Him, it looks much more like a dance than it does like a nice linear trajectory that maybe we would come up with ourselves. The Holy Spirit, what He does is He impresses desires on our hearts and we then step out in faith, take a small step of faith, and we give our trust over to the Holy Spirit. We say, okay, I trust you. He shows himself trustworthy and faithful, so we can continue on our journey with him. Then he impresses a new desire on our hearts, or if we're faced with a choice, he, he says, actually, I want you to choose this instead. Say, okay, Holy Spirit, I trust you. And so we give him our trust again, step out in faith. He shows himself trustworthy again and again, and again, and again. And our life, although it is moving in a very clear, one direction kind of uh, trajectory, okay, this whole long obedience in the same direction thing, that is absolutely true. Uh, But it's it's a bit more of a dance. 
as the Holy Spirit isn't just trying to get us from point A to point B, he's trying to teach us what it is to listen to him and to trust him and to develop an ongoing relationship with him. It begins to look more like the growth of a vine. The other interesting thing about how vines grow is they, they don't just grow like this and just keep going indefinitely upward. They have guideposts, either vertical or horizontal like guideposts. Like the horizontal ones are like you know, wires or cables and those guideposts help to keep them going in the right direction. That's the church. That's the church. That's the body of believers that God has placed us in. They help us as we grow with God as we dance with him, they help us to keep us on track. That's why we need each other. That's why Jesus saves us, not into a, just to a relationship with him, but he places us in a body of other believers that we can all grow together. And so our growth and development is dependence on one another. My, my wife and I, we experienced this firsthand when we were going through premarital counseling. So we've been married for 10 years, but when we were going through premarital counseling, uh, we, were, we were very young Christians, like pretty new believers. And we thought we knew quite a bit. We thought we were pretty mature. No, <laughs> we weren't. And we were doing our best to follow the Holy Spirit, but we, made, we weren't making the, like, we were getting it right all the time. We were very, very imperfect. And that's where our premarital counselors, James and Kristen Osborne, they were our guardrails as we were walk, walking through that engagement period with them. And so as we were dancing with the Holy Spirit, we'd be starting to get off track <laughs> and they'd be like, whoa, stop, back on track, keep going, you're doing great. Uh, if they weren't there, this would have been me and Kaylee's trajectory. Woo, we're dancing, we're dancing, oh, nosedive, boom, we're in the dirt. It's probably what it would have happened. Praise God for the church, for the church to be able to speak life and truth into our lives, to be able to keep us on track. It's beautiful. But what an amazing promise this is that God makes to us, that if we abide in the true vine, whatever we ask, he will give us. As we are conformed to the image of the Son, his desires become our own desires. Our trajectory is then being shaped by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and he grows us as a result. Last promise. If you abide in the true vine, your joy will be full. Whew. This, is, uh, this is where Christianity gets really, really fun. Really fun. When we begin to abide in the true vine, we begin to experience true security for the first time. True security. Like rooted grounded, never can get tore up, torn up from that anchor kind of security for the first time. When we begin to really truly embrace that level of, I, wait, I am that secure right now just because I'm abiding in the vine, that changes things. 
That means uh, I can loosen up a little bit. I can have a little bit of fun with Jesus. The things that I'm so stressed out about and consumed by so much of the time, I actually, I don't feel as stressed out about those things nearly as much anymore. Those things that I cared so much about, but they actually didn't matter as much as I thought they did. I actually don't care about them quite so much anymore. I loosen up, I can have fun. I can relax and be present and smile and be filled with God's joy far more of the time. I first really started uh, seeing this firsthand when I started hanging out with Kaylee, my wife. She has a very natural disposition of joy. She understands this facet of God's character. She's so secure in him as God, as God, God the Father, she's so secure in him that she is able to have a huge amount of joy. She's a natural encourager and she loves to have a good time. She loves to throw a party. She loves to have fun. That, the, all those things come very, very natural to her because she is so rooted in the security of God. Uh, I'm the opposite of that. I, uh, that is not my natural disposition at all. Uh, apart from a miracle that God is doing inside of me, I would literally be the most boring human being on the planet. Most monotonous, do the same thing every day. If it's not productive, efficient, effective, according to my definition of those terms, I would never do that. And, but God is, is changing me from the inside out. But the first time that I really got to see that was firsthand was when I started hanging out with Kaylee. We, uh, we met in German class at OSU back in 2009. And we, uh, we were also neighbors. So I lived in a house of 50 guys, she lived in a house of 40 girls, and they were right next to each other. And so we were both in German class together, so we started studying together. And it was getting kind of late, we were studying. It was like 8.30. That's late for me, all right. <laughs> Feel free to judge away, that's fine, I can take it. Kaylee judged me. She was like, I was like, I looked at my watch, I was like, hmm, about that time. I think I'm gonna head home and, you know, get a good night's sleep. And she was like, no, you're not. You are not going to bed at 8.30 tonight. That is not happening. I was like, all right. She's like, no, we're gonna go out on a hike to uh, Bald Hill. Bald Hill is like this little hill outside of Corvallis and we're gonna hike up it tonight. I was like, and she said, it, she said it's so nice, but you could tell it was a challenge. I didn't have a choice in the matter. Like if I, if I said no to that, my man card would be gone. It'd be gone. So, so I said, all right, let's do it. So we went down to Circle K, got a few energy drinks, as you do when you're 19. Come on now, Bradley. <laughs> hiked up Bald Hill. It was like a clear night, and it was actually this time of the year, so it was freezing cold out. But lots of stars out, very romantic, blah, blah, blah. And it was, it was a great night. It was super fun. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> yeah, you guys, God's joy. 
happens, happens when we abide in the true vine. It's awesome. This passage that Jesus lays out for us says, guys, keep it simple. I'm the vine, you're the branch. Keep it simple. As you abide in me, all of these promises are yours. It's not complicated. You don't have to run around the house in circles trying to find another way in. You don't have to go hang out with Sparky for the night. Okay? Just go grab the key. I'm the key. <laughs> Jesus says, I'm the key. Just go grab me, let yourself in. <clears throat> this whole vine and branch thing, this isn't just a nice thought experiment that Jesus did. This is, this is our very lives. It doesn't get any more practical than the vine and the branch. This is everything. A couple nights ago, I woke up in the middle of the night, like 3 a.m., wide awake, and just stressing hard. Stressing really, really hard. Mainly just about work stuff, like projects that I have coming up, deadlines, all of that. And I felt, just laying in bed, I just felt the weight of all of that just piling on me. And I got very, very overwhelmed. Uh, and it's like, you're tired, you're in this kind of state of delirium, you're not in your right mind. And so I just started thinking crazy things. And I started spiraling. Down, down, to like a dark, dark place mentally. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just showed up in that place. And he said, John, I'm the vine, you're the branch. And I, uh, I realized that in my spiraling, I was grasping for any kind of vine that I could somehow cling to that I felt might give me some semblance of peace and com comfort and encouragement in that moment, grasping. So I said, okay. So I got up out of bed and I walked to our dining room table, pulled out my Bible, my journal, made a couple, cup of tea and started reading God's word. And the Holy Spirit just started making these words on this page come alive in my soul. And just, it was like God's presence, like waves started flowing into me. Just wave after wave after wave of God's presence, just filling me, his truth, just pushing out every lie inside of me that I was believing pushing it out and I just felt Jesus just ministering to me in these, these deep areas of my soul that up to that point were just racked in stress, racked in stress. Jesus started just ministering. And I am um, as I was overwhelmed with God's presence, I just started weeping, you guys. I started weeping, 3 a.m., weeping. 
and I was just overwhelmed with thanksgiving to God. Overwhelmed with, God's, with thanksgiving to God. Because I realized that he had re- once again reached down into the pit that I was in and he pulled me out. He put me on solid ground again. And he just keeps doing that. When I spiral and find myself down in the pit, Jesus reaches down, picks me up, and puts me on solid ground again and again and again and again. It gives me the strength and hope for the day. If, um, if you're not a, uh, if you don't believe in Jesus, or if you're kind of on the fence about this whole Jesus thing, I would, um, I'd like to invite you to take a small step of faith this morning and enter into a relationship with him. Um, If there is something inside of you that is like, yep, I know what it's like to grasp at all kinds of different vines and I've seen the fruit that they have produced in my life. I don't like it. It doesn't satisfy. I want to see what it's like to take hold of the true vine and to let the true vine pour his love into me because I want the fruit that that produces. And if this is you, I'd invite you to take a small step of faith this morning. In a few moments, we're gonna be taking communion. And there's two, um, so all the, all the Christians in the room are gonna get up and take communion, but there's two elements at the communion table. There's the bread and there's the juice. The bread represents Jesus' body broken on the cross as part of the crucifixion. And then the blood represents Jesus' blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And by partaking of these two elements, what we are doing is that we are confessing in faith that Jesus is my vine. He is my true vine. He's the only one I want. And I'm confessing in faith that everything that I need is what Jesus is more than willing to pour out into me a branch to produce fruit in my life. So I invite you guys to to do that this morning. Because there is nothing, nothing like abiding in the true vine. Nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else can fill you like the presence of God. Nothing else can. When you have no hope, he fills you with hope. When you are racked with stress and worry, the vine is there to fill you, to comfort you, and to push out the fear and replace it with love and truth. He's always right there, waiting, available. Let's pray. Hmm. Lord Jesus, we um, just thank you, Lord, so much that you are the one true vine. Thank you that as we abide in you, these promises are true for us. Thank you, Lord, that you have not left us alone, you have not left us as orphans, but you are ready and available and willing at any time 
You're accessible at any time for us to re-enter or to enter into for the first time into a relationship with you. We want to drink deeply, deeply from the only vine in the entire world that can ultimately satisfy. That's the vine I want to drink from. Thank you, Lord Jesus, so much. It's in your name we pray, amen. Community tables, tables are open.